Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood, having trained more than 24,000 pets, helping you and your fur babies thrive. Live in studio, it's Pet Talk Today with Will Bangura, answering your pet behavior and training questions. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host and favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Good Saturday morning, everybody. I'm Will Bangura, and you are listening to Pet Talk today on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Do you have a crazy cat or an out-of-control dog that desperately needs some training and behavior help? Are you fed up with your pet just not listening? Well, we're here to help you deal with all of your pet behavior problems. Today, we've got a very special show. Today, we've got Emma Parsons, dog aggression expert and best-selling author of the book, Click to Calm, Healing the Aggressive Dog. Now, normally, we take your phone calls, and we might be able to take some calls later in the show if we've got time left. Uh, There's just so much information that we want to give you that um, we want to try to take up the whole hour and really give Emma the opportunity to talk about how she deals with dogs that are aggressive. And this is going to cover dogs with people aggression and human aggression. So we want you to make sure that you take advantage of this show. We get so many calls about aggression. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break right now, and when we come back, we will be back with Emma Parsons, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood, sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies, answering questions, some even ridiculous, and taking your calls, it's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX listener line at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll-free, 866-536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Will Bangura, and you're listening to Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Today, we've got a very special guest. We get so many calls about dog aggression, and, you know, dog aggression can be one of the most difficult behaviors that we could ever deal with in terms of being able to help uh, dogs that have real aggression issues, severe aggression issues. Um, it's heartbreaking uh, for every owner, and we are so honored to have Emma Parsons with us. Um, Emma's got all kinds of letters and certifications after her name. She's been training dogs for more than 20 years. Uh, she's a leading dog aggression expert. She's also the best-selling author of the book, Click to Calm, Healing the Aggressive Dog. Emma is a faculty member at the Karen Pryor Academy for Animal Training and Behavior, as well as the Karen Pryor Clicker Expo Conferences. 
Emma gives click-to-calm seminars around the world, teaching others how to manage and rehabilitate reactive and aggressive dogs. She's a member of the Association of Pet Dog Trainers and the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. Emma shares her life with her husband, Greg, and their four clicker-trained dogs. Emma, welcome to Pet Talk today. It's an honor to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm just so thrilled to be here. Well, I'll tell you, we are absolutely thrilled to have you here. Like I said, we have so many calls from people that have dogs that are aggressive, uh, primarily dogs that have intra-dog aggression at home where they've got two dogs fighting and hurting each other. They're biting. They're having to take these dogs uh, to the emergency hospital to get veterinary care because there's punctures mm-hmm. and some rips and tears. And then also we've got people that are calling in that have dogs that are aggressive towards strangers, people coming mm-hmm. into the home that aren't part of that home. So what we're hoping today is that you can kind of go through uh, your process, what you teach people step by step, what they can do in order to be able to help their dogs uh, that are aggressive. Um, so I guess I want to start with, you know, how how did the book Click to Calm and your work that you currently do with aggressive dogs come into being? Um, years ago, I had a golden retriever named Ben. And um, I wanted him to be my competition obedience dog. Mm-hmm. So I thought I had done everything, contacted the right breeder, etc. I picked him up as a puppy at about the age of six months. He started to kind of, you know, bark and get very stimulated by the presence of other dogs. And I thought to myself, well, I will just say prior to this, I've been very spoiled by my other dogs because my other dogs that I had would not care if another dog barked at them or growled Mm -hmm. at them. They just would ignore the dog. So when I saw Ben reacting as such, and also in my own ignorance of learning about dog behavior back then, you know, I didn't know what I was seeing so I had a friend of a friend, actually, was an aggression expert, and she set me up, and I was going to a class at a park to work on Ben's behavior issues, and when I met him, I actually ended up meeting him before the class began, and totally out of coincidence, totally by chance, and when Ben saw his dog, he showed me, he said, give me your leash, I'm going to show you how to deal with this. And he hung Ben on his prong collar. Okay. And when I saw that happen, I knew punishment, because we're talking this was more than, it was a long time ago, mm-hmm. you know, probably about um, 20 years ago. It was a long time ago. And um, back then, we that's how we dealt with aggressive dogs, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes we still deal with it that way, right? But um, I had never seen a correction that was so violently given. So I was appalled but totally stunned my husband who was parking the car in the parking lot came to me and said how could you let somebody treat our dog that way but the bottom line is that when Ben was given that very severe uh, punishment he ended up becoming a different dog did it help him that day Uh, you might say yes because the you know when he barked and lunged at this person's German Shepherd because that is the cues that he gave you know, that did stop the barking and the lunging. 
when we went to the class, did he bark and lunge at any other dog? No, he did not, but he also had a very glassy-eyed look. And back then, not knowing about behavior like this, it scared me. I wasn't sure why. I just thought it would, you know, come around and I was going to be worse rather than being better off. And so after that class, fine. Week week went by. I ended up going to a dog training place. And when Ben saw a dog come out of the car, it was like I had Cujo at the end of my leash. Mm. So what ended up happening then, because Ben was, you know, barked and lunged and salivated on both sides of his mouth. He also, if you didn't get him out of the situation quick enough, he would also vomit. Mm. So he was just very, very upset um, when he saw another dog. And that could be another dog outside. It could be a dog on TV. It could be a dog on a picture, poster on a wall. So after that, what happened is I tried to find any instructor, any trainer who is dealing with aggression. And, you know, in a positive fashion. And back then, we had books out by Patricia McConnell and Jean Donaldson, but those were the only people that were offering information on how to deal with these issues in a positive manner. So I met Karen Pryor in Hawaii. I was at one of my dog training conferences, and I took her aside and explained to her how Ben was acting, how I really wasn't sure what to do, and she is the one who introduced me to clicker training. And I will tell you, back then, I was the biggest skeptic because they thought, how can this little noisemaker help my dog that I can't even control at all when he sees other dogs? So she ended up teaching a class local to me, and she invited us to come. And it was through those weeks with her learning how to use the clicker, learning how to set up exposures, and learning how we can shape a dog's emotional response just like we can shape other behaviors that we're more familiar with, like sits, downs, and healing. So that's what got me going. And back then, I'll be honest, I just wanted to help Ben heal. I didn't really want to make this a career change. (laughs) Um, But friends said to me, oh, my gosh, you have a different dog. My friend needs help. You need to help them. And I kept saying, uh, well, all right, I'll just help this one the way I did with Ben, but I don't want to do it again. So little by little, I helped more and more dogs. And finally, I thought this information really needs to be out there. And that is how the book Click to Calm came into being. That's a great story. Um, what are some of the key steps that pet owners should take once they realize that their dogs have aggression issues what you know can you talk about your book and the process and and you know um, i know that in chapter one it's clicker home management is that where they would start Mm -hmm. yeah so this is the thing if you have a dog that is uncomfortable with a trigger and that trigger can be anything from strangers to children, to other dogs, to squirrels. It can be anything. If you have a dog that is uncomfortable with those triggers, the first thing that you have to realize is that we have to be able to communicate with the dog in a very clear and consistent way. When I see clients, the first thing that I want them to focus on is the dog's uh, presence in their household. A lot of times we as human, we notice behavior that is, inappropriate. You know, if you see the dog laying down chewing on the bone, we tend to not 
stop and say, oh, what a good boy, look how good you're being, etc. We tend to notice the dog when the dog steals the shoe. Everybody starts running after the dog. So knowing the dog wants our attention, you know, if you were the dog, what behavior would you be doing? I think I would be one that would be stealing the shoe. Mm -hmm. So we tend to not notice dogs when they're being appropriate, but yet we tend to give them a lot of attention when they're being inappropriate. And, and, and that is going to differ from one household to another. You know, like, for example, with my dogs, I don't mind if they sit around the kitchen table with us as long as they're not in our laps trying to get our food. But then some of my clients want the dogs out of the room, which is fine. Um, dogs need to learn to respect us. I know that we, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a client who doesn't love their dog. We all love our dogs intensely. But the difficulty is when we try to communicate with them. Um, we get, our, we get our, our species lines crossed. And the reason I say that is because we're a verbal species. We tend to talk to dogs to make behavior better. If your dog is barking out of control, the first thing that you usually do is say, you know, quiet or, you know, stop barking. And the dog thinks, wow, my, my person's barking too. Great. You right, know, this is right. good. So, um, so it's really important that we kind of get on the same page with our dogs. We're a verbal species. We talk to people to make behavior happen. They're a body language species. They watch what you do. And that's where they take their cues. And a lot of times what you're reinforcing is not the behavior you want to see more of. Um, and that's what home management is all about. And it is something, if, if everyone, something as simple as teaching your dogs to say please, when your dog wants something, whether it's to go out, whether it's to play a game, whether it's to eat a meal, whether it's to be petted by you, if you could just teach them to sit for five seconds, you know, just tell them to sit five seconds, then I will give you what you want. You know, I, I laugh about this because I always say this is a win-win. As a human, I want do a dog that I can control so that when I'm out, I want to I want to create a really strong default behavior. So that means if I'm out and my dog is confused, what is my dog going to do? My dog is going to sit. Well, I like a sit as a human when I'm out socially. I love a dog that will sit and wait for me to give a next cue. Now, the other side of it, what does your dog maybe think, right? Your dog is thinking, wow, I find out that if I sit, I get whatever I want, if I want to play a game, I just have to sit. If I want to go outside, I just have to sit. I just have to sit and look at my person, and they will give me what I want. So it is a win-win for both species. Um, and I, I love that. If everybody could do even just that tiny little piece, you would have a much more cooperative dog. I teach this to my, my puppies when they're, when they're tiny. You know, um, so they understand that when they want something, calm, quiet behavior gets them everything. The really loud, rambunctious, chaotic behavior does not get my attention at all. So that is what the home management part of the book is all about. Just different things you can do, like make sure your dog is mentally stimulated every day. You know, make sure if you can't physically, because that's the thing, we always think dogs need to be physically stimulated, so we take them out for walks and such, but we forget about their brains. Dogs are really intelligent, and sometimes that intelligence works against us. Um, 
So we really need to keep them mentally stimulated and, you know, playing the, the food, you know, giving them food puzzles so they can play as they're eating their meal. All those different ways, stuffing a Kong, um, those are all ways that you can help your dog mentally stimulate him or herself so that, again, all of that energy is put into the right uh, channel rather than literally your dog finding different ways to try to c- communicate with you but using inappropriate behavior to do so. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, in, in Chapter 2, you talk about laying the groundwork, the foundational behaviors. And I know, mm-hmm. you know, we do a lot of aggression work, and we'll get calls all the time. And we'll talk about that with them initially, even before they, you know, want to sign up for training. And I'm always hearing all the time, that's not the problem. My dog can sit, lay down, come when called. I need to deal with the aggression. Why Why do we have to do all these foundational behaviors? So can you talk about what foundational behaviors are and why that groundwork in in laying those foundational behaviors um, are are so important when it comes to being able to heal the aggressive dog? Yes. So when I ask my client, you know, let's say my client has a dog that's not good with other dogs, box and lunges when they see them. I say to my client, what do you want your dog to do instead of barking and lunging? And they look at me and say, well, I don't care what they do. I just don't want them to bark and lunge. And I have to explain to my client that, you know, in order for your dog to do what you want, you have to know yourself what behavior you want, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to plug in a reliable behavior once you have a dog that's going to see the trigger and then look at you. That is absolutely true. Um, and that's one thing that I found very difficult when I had been many years ago is that a lot of times when I went to some of these aggression seminars, all they did was talk about, well, if you had a dog that would listen to you, if you had a dog that would just ignore the other dog or ignore the stranger, then, you know, you would have a dog that would do what you wanted. And the problem with that is that when I had been, my, you know, he was a competition dog. I mean, Mm -hmm. he probably had 50 different behaviors he could do on cue. The problem is when we were in the situations when there were other dogs, I could ask him to sit, and he couldn't even do that. So that is why we need to do the click-to-com methodology, because we have to work on the emotions. Remember, we can shape emotions in dogs just like we can shape behaviors. But you do need to think, you know, if you're out in public, what do you want your dog to do instead of bark and lunge at another dog? Well, I personally would like my dog to just walk by. But if my dog doesn't know how to heal with me, in that type of a distraction environment, I can't teach my dog in the middle of that training scenario. Behaviors have to be worked, and this is just part of our learning theory. When you work behavior with your dog, you want to make sure that you stop their learning in a distraction-free environment, and little by little by little, you put more and more distraction on top of that. So it's really important to start off with foundation behaviors, making sure your dog knows how to sit and to to look at you and to lie down and things like that and to heal with you Um, because you you don't want it. You can't really train that on the run because when you are training your dog, you work on one piece of criteria at a time. And when you're working on exposing your dog to different triggers, that is the piece that you're working on. You know, you're not cueing your dog to sit before they look at another dog. You're not doing that. 
when you're working on that piece, which I'm sure we will discuss, mm-hmm. you're working on only that. And then your dog sometimes, which I love, will voluntarily say, you know what, I see the other dog, but I know I'm supposed to watch you, and now I will offer you a sit or I'll offer to walk with you. But that can't happen unless your dog knows how to sit and how to heal with you, et cetera. You've talked a couple times about, um, you know, the dog offering that behavior. And I think a lot of people are wondering, how is this dog going to offer that behavior when you didn't ask for it, especially when you're in a situation that's very stressful? Can you talk about that a little? Sure. So the only behavior that we know your dog can do in a very stressful situation is a very, very, very strong default behavior. So my hope is that my students will teach their dog, again, something as simple as a sit, a Mm -hmm. quiet sit, and that the dog will start to offer that. Or they can cue it if their dog is about to erupt at another dog. If Mm -hmm. they've done it enough, your dog, without thinking, when they hear the word sit, they will sit automatically. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's part of that unconscious memory. You know, when you walk in a room, you flick on the light. Mm-hmm. You don't really even think about where that light is. Or when you're driving a car, it's the same thing. Um, your dogs know this behavior so fluently that they, um, they will, you know, either offer it or you can cue it and they are going to do it because they've done it so many other times before. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I think what people need to know, and I think you might agree with this, is that you need to have lots and lots of repetition in order to make that happen. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And like I say, you know, when I like when I get a puppy, the first thing I do is I teach the puppy very basic behavior. You know, your stitch, your down, the hand target, um, healing, all of those things. I teach them in a very quiet location. Gotcha. And then little by little, then we try it outside. And and the other point I want to make here, though, we, I got to interrupt that, you real quick, Emma. We've yep. got to take a quick break uh, for news. But when we come back, we are going to talk more about dog aggression. Stay tuned. Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood, sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies, answering questions, some even ridiculous, and taking your calls, it's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX listener line at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll-free, 866-536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Mangura. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Will Bangura, and you're listening to Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX. Today, we are interviewing Emma Parsons, dog aggression expert and best-selling author of the book, Click to Calm, Healing the Aggressive Dog. Now, Emma, before we went to break, you know, we were talking about teaching foundational behaviors, alternative behaviors, so that um, your dog can actually do something rather than have a meltdown. Uh, when uh-huh. it sees another dog so we can begin the process of healing. And um, 
I've got Phil with me. He's our, our head trainer. And one of the things he told me in the break, he said, uh, you know, are people going to say, well, hey, my dog can sit, but now it's just fixating on the other dog. And I was telling Phil, I said, I think, and I could be wrong, and you can let us know. I think part of what you teach as a sit is the dog maintains eye contact. That's part of the whole uh, behavior, yes, no? No, so let me just explain okay, yeah. the other piece of Please. click to come. Okay. Just so, um, yeah. I, I just wanted to mention, um, when we stopped before, um, I just want to make sure that everybody understands that when you are using food reinforcement, to mm-hmm. make sure that that food reinforcement is higher value than the distraction environment that you're in. Got it. Okay, so I just want to make sure that people understand that. And the real way to use food, because I know some clients of mine say, well, I don't want to use food. You know, if you're luring behavior, uh, the dog sees the treat, and then um, you're trying to get behavior, that is not a real training learning equation. Luring has its place for sure, but just for everybody to be clear, you get behavior you um you you either use a verbal marker you can click those of you who aren't familiar with clicker training mm-hmm. one click uh equals one reinforcement and then um you know you go ahead and pay for that behavior so i just want to make sure everyone understands that it's not about bribing it's yeah. not about you know a dog jumping on someone and saying hey sit and then i'll give you the treat mm-hmm. Because if you do it that way, you could, that all actually backfires. Because then what is the cue for the dog to get the treat? It's the jumping, right? So um, with Click to Calm, what I teach is that, again, we shape the emotion of the dog. So what I will just explain the process yes. for everyone. And um, we'll take the example of a dog that's nervous with strangers. Okay. Okay, so the first thing with that issue is that... Um, you know, we well-meaning, we try to have strangers interact with the dog because we know personally that nothing's going to happen to the dog, but the dog doesn't know that. Um, sometimes what people suggest to do is give the stranger some treats and have the stranger try to give the dog the treat. The difficulty with that is that a lot of times these dogs are in conflict. They want the treat, but yet they do not want to venture forward to the stranger in order to get the treat, and if they do, they take it, snatch it, and go eat it somewhere else. What click to calm, what the way I work this with Ben, if you had a dog that's nervous with strangers, the first thing that we want to do is we want to expose them to strangers at a threshold that they can tolerate. So the best threshold is one where the dogs are interested in people, but they're not um, either trying to run away from the person or trying to lunge and bark at the person. They're, they're at a distance where they can see the person and they're, and they're kind of neutral at that point. What we do then is there are three stages to click the com. The first is I'm going to click you for looking at the stranger, right? So I'm going to click you once and then I'm going to back up and I'm going to feed you your treat or give you your reinforcement, whatever that is. Okay, so what starts to happen is the dog, instead of barking and lunging, sees a stranger, and then they're expecting a cookie, right? Mm -hmm. So, So they look and they turn back, they look, they turn back. Once you have that going, then what you want to do is have the dog look at the person and then wait maybe two two seconds And if the dog's head turns back to you, you're going to click once. But this time you're going to give the dog five treats. And you're going to give it to them one by one. You're going to get, you know, and you can even count your treats to the dog. One, two, three, four, five. 
Because if you think about it, we want to make sure we're paying the dog more for what we want. And I think we can all agree is if we have a dog that's not great with dogs or with people, we don't want dogs to go around staring at dogs or strangers. We want them to look at them and then look back at us. So when we ask the question of, you know, where does the sits come in, what happens is when you're out and about and the dog sees someone maybe that's starting to approach, the dog has learned that, oh, someone's starting to come towards me. That means I turn and look at my caregiver and I will get reinforced for that. And then now you can make the decision about what you want to do. You know, then do you want to see if the dog can say hello to that person? Do you want to see um, or tell that person don't come any closer? Or do you want to heal your dog away? The, the, the important point is that the dog voluntarily, upon the arrival of the trigger, will give you voluntarily, and that's the key word, his or her attention, and then you can make the best decision for your dog. No, because I... dogs react for different reasons. It's not always aggression, although sometimes it looks like it's aggressive, but sometimes they just react, right? And sure. it's not a dog that not, will bite, so to speak. So I've got a question because I know that some of our listeners are, are probably thinking this. Um, that process that you talked about, getting the dog exposed to the trigger, um, yep. having the dog sit, they take a look at that trigger, you click and reward, then they're look, or they're looking back at you and you click and reward, or do you click and reward before the dog looks back at you? So, so the thing is, is that first of all, the dog doesn't need to sit, right? Okay. The dog can be standing when okay. they look, because yep. again, we're only working on the emotion of the dog. Got it. Right? So if, so if we think about this, um, if we want a dog to feel better, let's say around strangers, we have to help the dog feel better in the vicinity of the stranger, in the presence of the stranger, before anybody can even want to look at the dog or reach their hand out to pet the dog. So I know it sounds, you know, counterintuitive where we say, well, this is what we're trying to avoid, right? But the, the bottom line is if I was afraid of spiders and I didn't want to, like, just jump out of my skin when I saw one, I would have to teach myself to look at one first. So, so what we need to do with our dogs is teach them to look at the trigger first and look at the the person calmly. Um, now, can I ask a real quick can, question? Can I ask a question? Yes, sure, um, absolutely. If the dog looked at the trigger and you saw yes. the dog engaging in a lot of stress signals, would you still go through that same process or would you say, um, I'm working too close to the trigger at that point. Right. I'm just going to say that that comes with you have to establish your threshold. If you see any stress signals from the dog, you would back up. You would back up and then um, you would kind of release the dog. I call, you know, if you if one of the things that you could look for is something I call sticky head, right, where you start to move forward and your dog fixates on the trigger. Mm-hmm. And once your dog does that, and your dog doesn't have to be barking and lunging, if you can see that, that means you're right on the threshold, and that is a cue for you to back up. And I think that's really important. Can you say that again yeah. for for sure. pet dog owners, exactly kind of spell that out for them? Yes, absolutely. So every dog has a critical distance. And a lot of times when you have dogs like this, you will know because you can feel something coming on. 
But you really want to look at your dog's stress signals before they go over threshold. Over threshold, it might look like barking and lunging. But your dog, before you get to that point, starts to freeze up a little bit. They start to move slower. Sometimes they almost look like they're trying to walk through water. And then they fixate on the trigger. And you cannot move their head no matter what you say. You absolutely cannot get their attention. And that's because they're over threshold, even though they're not visibly lunging and barking at the person, let's say. Um, so you're at that point, you want to back up to, to kind of, um, you know, to, to, to just get your dog out of there. Let your dog relax. Because when dogs are in that state, there is no learning going on. You know, it's almost as if somebody, you're afraid of snakes and somebody walked by you and just dropped a snake in your lap and you jump up and say, oh my gosh, you know, um, and somebody asked you to do something at that moment, you would not be able to probably even hear them because your brain is just so involved with this trigger. So it's the same thing with your dogs, you know, Um, and when you see any kind of stress cues, you want to take some steps back. And then once you release that head, when that head is moving around again, then you can start at that distance and click and feed your dog for looking at that trigger, whatever that trigger is. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And then you look, and then you look, you know, um, for that voluntary eye contact. The, the difficulty is that when I have done my seminars, I can tell you the dogs that have only been taught stage two, which is to look at me when you see the trigger. Mm-hmm. So they they are very, very tense. They are dogs that stare at their people. They beg. It's almost like they're begging for their person to give them a cue because they do not know what to do in that environment where the trigger is present. And that's why stage one is so important. It's not a stage I want to stay at long mm-hmm. because I don't want my dog staring at uh People, because then people will think, oh, my dog, this dog wants to say hi to me, which probably will not be the case. Um, Same thing with other dogs. But it is a very, very important stage because that dog has to acclimate and be present with that trigger in that environment. Gotcha. And only then can they be free to look at you and to listen to whatever cue you're trying to give to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. Okay. Um, now, with all of that, you know, I think <clears throat> it's important, and, and we talked yesterday, but um, this process of even getting your dog to that, it takes a while, doesn't it? There's no quick fixes. Ta- no, well, there's no quick fixes. And, and the issue we, we all have to think about if we have dogs like this, like when I had been, one of the first things I had to do, which wasn't easy, and I want everyone to know that, you know, we all get dogs for different reasons. For me, I wanted Ben to be a competition obedience dog. When I saw his issues, I knew that I had to let go of that dream that I had with him. And um, I had to make sure that if I was going to work through some of these issues with him, I had to make sure that, you know, I let him lead the way. Right. I could not. I knew right away I couldn't do the lovely things that people love to do with their dogs, you know, like go on doggy walks or, you know, running around at dog parks or, 
you know, going on, you know, trails in the woods because Ben was just, I couldn't do that, especially in the beginning. It's a lifelong commitment to your dog to keep your dog safe and to teach them, um, you know, these different methodologies to be able to live with them in a more quote-unquote typical manner, you know. Um, and that's something I think we all have to look at because it is a lifelong commitment, you know. So there is um, no cure. It's about there managing. There is no cure, yeah. no. There, Can make there, things there better. No, Can make things better, but there's no cure. Yeah, yeah. And and, and I have to say, you know, with Ben, because, um, I mean, I lived through it, right, and mm-hmm. he was horrible. I have yet to see a dog as bad as him with other dogs. Um, but I can tell you that, you know, we still did things. I still was able to show him in obedience and agility. Could I go to the extreme I wanted? No, I could not. But could I get him out in doggy environments? Yes, I could. Was he a dog that, you know, could go to a dog park? No, but yet he could walk with other dogs. So there definitely were many, many different improvements, and that is one thing that I will say to my clients as we're moving forward you know, I will say to them, you know, is this is this dog's behavior behavior that you can live with? Has your dog's behavior improved enough that you feel that you really want to continue this with your dog? Because I do think that that answer is different for all of us because we get dogs for different reasons. Um, but it's absolutely and, – and that's the other thing, right? We're always managing or teaching our dogs. I know – Sometimes we think that, well, you know what, I'm not doing a training session with my dog. It doesn't matter. Your training sessions should be how you interact with your dog all the time. And actually, whether you know it or not, that is what's happening. So that's why um, I think it's important to look at, you know, when we, um, you know, what behaviors we pay attention to, what behaviors we want to buy from the behavior store, right, Um, what behaviors we want to pay for. Because those are the behaviors we will get, um, but we need to do it conscientiously. So, um, but yeah, no, it's absolutely lifelong commitment. But but it gets better because your dog learns, and the more they learn that you that you are going to keep them safe, the more environments you can take them in, um, and, and the happier they are, and the happier you are with your dog. I think it's important to let people know this is not something that's going to happen in one or two lessons or, you know, you get a lot of people that think they're, they can send their dog away to some kind of board and train or a two week mm-hmm. boot camp and they're going to get an aggressive dog to be fixed and, and uh, that's just not going to happen. And we'll talk a little bit about that. I've got to go to break here to hear from our sponsors, but when we come back, we will be talking more with Emma Parsons, dog aggression expert and best-selling author of the book, Click to Calm. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies. Answering questions, some even ridiculous. And taking your calls, it's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX listener line at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll-free 866-536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura.
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Will Bangora, and you're listening to Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX. And before we went to break, we were talking with dog aggression expert and best-selling author of the book, Click to Calm, Healing the Aggressive Dog, Emma Parsons. Um, Emma, we want to, you know, I was telling you yesterday, the time goes so fast, and we've just got a few minutes here, which is just horrible. We need to get you back on the show again. But Phil has a question that uh, he wanted to ask. When we went to break, he was talking to me. So, Phil, go ahead and ask your question. Hi, good morning, Emma. Um, Hi, my, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? Good. Good. So my question, uh, if I have a dog or if uh, one of my clients or an, a pet owner has a dog that whose dog aggression is so extreme that it will mm-hmm. override any high-value food treat that I can offer, mm-hmm. say, for instance, if I get yeah. on the street, I have a, a client, an, an individual who got a rescue dog that was living on the street for several years, and in the home, yeah. the dog's um, obedience control is consistent enough where it has to be started now outside with these distractions. But because the aggression is just so strong that food rewards aren't really going to stop the dog because it's 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 not starving. You know, it's been fed mm-hmm. and, and so mm-hmm. a food a food uh, high value food reward just isn't going to be enough to stop that um that forward right. aggressive behavior. What would you do in that case? Okay, well, um, let me just say, if I had a client like that, a veterinary behaviorist visit might be appropriate because that can help deal with the anxiety that that dog is feeling. So that's, you know, aside, uh, might be something to do. The other thing that I didn't really go into is that when I had Ben, Ben also would not eat in the presence of another dog. It did not matter, you know, what the threshold was for him. Um, he couldn't, he could see a dog like a hundred feet away and it would be just as horrible as if the dog was right in front of us. And he was not taking food treats. And I will tell you what Karen Pryor told me back then. Um, she had told me to, uh, bring some really high value things, get as far away as you absolutely can from the other dog and still try to give the treats to the dog. You know, it's still click. Um, click when the dog takes a breath. And I know when she said that to me, I thought, oh, my goodness, like, I'm never going to be able to help this dog. But I will tell you what happened is that when I clicked when he took a breath, because there's this moment where they do, right, they, they stop, they take a breath, and then they start barking, whatever they do, barking and lunging again, let's say. And uh, although Ben did not eat, it took him about a month and a half to eat, Um. I started making these, I think of them as little dents in that behavior, right? If you think of that behavior chain where Ben was barking and lunging and, you know, salivating and et cetera, et cetera, every time he took a breath in and I clicked, the clicker actually is marking that moment in his brain where there was no reaction, right? And the thing is, I clicked and tried to give him the cookie, clicked, tried to give him the cookie, everything just fell to the ground. And it did take about a month and a half. And I remember saying to Karen, I don't know what you want me to do because I'm clicking and I can't feed him because he's not eating. And what she said to me is just keep doing it because it works unconsciously in the brain. And you will click at one point and he will want to eat. And the one thing, the other thing that she said, what I thought was very interesting to me, 
was that if you're doing this outside, when you click and you give them the treat and it falls to the ground, take the dog away and then clean up the treats. Don't make the dog feel guilty for not eating. Um, but, yeah, Ben wasn't eating either, and he was a dog, one of the few that has no threshold at all. But what she wanted me to concentrate is look at him, shut off the noise, shut off the noise, look at him, and every time he took a breath, click there. And what I started to see were little, little, little pieces of quiet open up, if you can think about that as a behavior chain, right? Little tiny pieces. And the only reason I knew that it was getting better was because I could time my click better. Because in the beginning, I thought I felt like I was just clicking him for, for exploding. But little by little by little, these little tiny boxes of quiet opened up. And at one point, he started eating. And then um, I could go out on my sessions and say, okay, I'm going to click you for the absence of your hackles being up. So even though he was barking, his hackles stayed down. I clicked and fed him for that. Then, okay, I'm going to click you for a lower intensity of your barking. And then a lower intensity, because that's the other thing we tend to forget, is that we can reinforce the lower intensities of the behaviors that we see, right? Differential reinforcement of low-intensity behavior. So if you have a bark and you reinforce them for a lower tone, then you'll get the lower tone, and then eventually you can um, reinforce them for nothing at all. We're going to have to leave it at that. I am so sorry. We have got to have you back. Um, it's been great having you here, but we're just out of time. So thank you, Emma. If you need to get her book, you can get that at Amazon. It's Click to Calm Healing the Aggressive Dog, Emma Parsons. Talk Sports. The Pulse of Arizona. 1100 KFNX, Phoenix.